Let's pray from Psalm uh, 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Lord, we all have things to be thankful for. And I'm thankful for people that are coming in here with a joyful spirit. And they're so grateful for the things that you've done. I'm also thankful for people here that are fighting for joy. There are a lot of things that are attacking them, a lot of things that are, that are hurtful in their life right now, and they're just fighting to have that joy. So I pray, God, that you would uh, fill us up with joy, fill us up with your spirit as we open your word this morning, your very word. I pray that you would speak to us. God, this is, is such an amazing thing to be able to open your word, and so I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, forgive my sins. My sins are many, and so I pray that you would speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this, this morning we're looking at disciples throwing big parties. So, on the count of three, I want you to give me your best party noise. You ready? One, two, three. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. I was expecting a lot worse, actually, at 9 a.m. That was pretty good. You guys, a little bit of party people. All right, that's good. All right, that's good. So, this is uh, from Matthew chapter 9, in which we see Matthew throwing a party. So, we'll jump right into the scripture. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. It's a party, right? They're about to have some fun. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, I am a true outgoing extrovert. Is that shocking to you? Uh, I... I I enjoy being around other people. It gives me energy. And so I really love parties. And last year, um, my wife and I had the privilege of going on the Love Like You Mean It cruise. And we're, this is the first night on the cruise. And we're just walking through the ship, checking things out. And we see a VIP party. VIP party. Well, I feel like a VIP, so let's go check it out. So we walk, walk to, towards the entrance. And they say, is your name on the list? And uh, what we found out was that this was a VIP party for all the biggest donors for family life. The Love Like You Mean It Cruise is a time where people can invest in their marriages. It's sponsored by uh, Family Life, who invests in marriages, and we're huge fans of Family Life. And uh, I think we gave about $50 last year to Family Life, so we didn't quite fit the huge donor list. Uh, and so we just start talking with the people there and how much Family Life has impacted us and our church with Weekend to Remembers and all the resources. And the people look at us and say... Do you want to come in? Do we want to come in? Of course we want to come in. There's all this great food, and people are having a great time in there. And so we go in there, and we get a chance to meet some of our heroes, the president of Family Life, uh, David Robbins, and his wife, Meg. And we're just having a great time. And it felt so good to be invited in. It felt so good to be invited into a party. And so today we're going to talk about disciples throwing big parties. 
So this is a good thing. If, if, you're a, if you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, then you're called to throw big parties. Now, some of you that are introverts are thinking, oh, gosh, really? <laughs> really? I mean, this is, this is what I get to hear this morning. But listen, when you follow Jesus, even things that maybe stretch you a little bit, make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, you can find joy in. And so here we see the story of, of Matthew, who was definitely far away from God. And he was definitely not someone that would have associated uh, himself with people that were following Jesus. But he gets to use his giftedness in such an awesome way, uh, as we'll dig into the scripture a little bit here. When we're talking about disciples, we're talking about people that follow Jesus, we're talking about people that love Jesus. And I hope that's one of the reasons why you're here, is that when we gather together, we're encouraging one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to love Jesus. Because we're not getting encouraged to do that many other places, right? We're not going to the movie theater and, and uh, checking out the movie and they're telling us to follow Jesus. We're going to our workplace or going to school. It's just not happening. So when we gather together, we encourage one another. And when you're missing from here, then you can't encourage someone else. When you're missing from here, then you can't use your giftedness uh, to be able to help others uh, glorify God. And so we're here together so we can love Jesus more. We're also here to love one another. That's the other part about being a disciple is we need to love one another. We need to help one another grow. We need to encourage one another. Sometimes that's hard to do, but we're here to do that. And then we're also here to, to love the lost, right? I mean, we're here as a church to be a rescue station, to be a place where people hear about Jesus, where they're encouraged uh, to, to take a step in faith. I mean, if you spend any time away from Jesus in your life, you know that there's a certain emptiness that comes with that. And I think about many times, many years of my life where I didn't know Jesus and the emptiness that came with that. And so I'm thankful to, to be able to gather with my church so that we can take fishing trips, so that we can go out into our community to help people come uh, to know Jesus. And it's really cool that God's entrusted that task to us. You ever think about that? Does Jesus need us? Does he? Does he? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Some of you are like, well, he needs me. But no, he, he doesn't need us to be able to reach the lost. He doesn't need us to be able to share the gospel. He allows us to do it. He entrusts us with it. He entrusts us to throw big parties to welcome people in. And so today and Tuesday, there's a little bit of a party theme that's happening here. We want to be able to, to, to see what it's like to be a welcoming, inviting church that throws big parties to welcome those in that desperately need Jesus. Mark Twain is, is credited with saying, having spent considerable time with good people, I can understand why Jesus liked to be with tax collectors and sinners. Uh, and, I, and I can see that a little bit too, right? Maybe you've seen this in your own life. We, have, as, as, as Christians, have a, this reputation of being people that aren't a whole lot of fun. That when you follow Christ, you have to leave all your fun behind. When, when you're hanging out with people that aren't following Christ, it's a whole lot more fun because they're not really concerned whether they're, whether they're sinning or not. They're just going out there and having fun. And sometimes uh, we as uh, Christians uh, can fall into this, to this generalization that following Christ isn't a whole lot of fun. You just have to carry around your Bible and sing songs and just be in your little Christian circle. And listen, I'm not telling you all this to go out and just start sinning like crazy. I don't want you guys to start saying that. Pastor Andy said, just go sin, have fun. No, it's, it's not like that, but we are called to enjoy life. And we see this example here uh, with Matthew about who he was trying to reach and what he was trying to do. I think it's important to give you a little bit of the background about what's going on here. 
because when you understand the background, you understand how powerful this is. Matthew, the first uh, book of the New Testament that we have, it was about 400 years uh, written since the end of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament. And so this is a very important book, and it's deeply Jewish, and they're hearing a perspective about, about Jesus that's vitally important. We're hearing that too because it's coming from a person that was a tax collector. And for Matthew, who, who almost certainly grew up Jewish, he left his heritage behind. He left his people behind to work for Rome, but he wasn't really considered a Roman uh, citizen either. So he's kind of stuck in between these two worlds. He's someone that is certainly making a very good income, certainly has some influence, but is definitely looked down upon by all his people. The people that he's collecting the money from, he's, looking, he's being looked down upon. These are his people, but he's not part of that people, and he's not really a Roman citizen either, so he's kind of stuck in between without a home. And maybe sometimes you feel like that in the workplace, or you feel like that in your neighborhood, or you feel like that at school, or you just feel like, man, you just don't really fit in. So I hope this will be good news for you because Jesus used this man that doesn't really fit in in, in any way. I mean, his friends certainly would have been people that would have been categorized as sinners. I mean, he certainly wasn't hanging out the, at the synagogue. He wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been welcome there at all. Because he was seen as someone that was robbing money from people. He was seen as someone that left his heritage behind. He was seen as someone that was, that was an outcast. And so his friends certainly would have been other sinners, uh, other tax collectors. Uh, but you can just imagine the pull that he has of, of feeling like he's not really at home, but he's making money for his family, but he's not really a Roman citizen. He's just stuck in between. And certainly, uh, being where he was located, probably close to Capernaum, he would have heard the stories of Jesus' healings. He would have heard the miraculous stories of Jesus. He might have already had some interaction with Jesus. And you can just picture the scene. that He's in the tax collector's booth, and people are coming up and giving him the tax money, and they're all unhappy to see him. Imagine living a life like that, that everyone that sees you is unhappy to see you. I always thought it would be awesome to work for a florist, because every time you show it at someone's door delivering it, People are happy to see you, right? They're happy to see you, and they certainly were not like that with, with Matthew. Every time people saw him, they, they were unhappy. And so you can imagine the feeling that he's feeling. And so now Jesus is giving him a chance to come and follow him. So you can imagine he just jumped at that chance. And so let's look at this uh, verse by verse as we learn how to throw big parties and use our influence in the lives of others. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Man, what an awesome thing. It wasn't just an immediate thing of, of him seeing Jesus or hearing about Jesus for the first time. He would, he would have known about Jesus, so it wasn't zero interactions. And like I said before, they could have had some interactions uh, before then. But, but Matthew was a special kind of tax collector that was especially evil. The word in the Greek for this tax collector is the word teleonis, which means someone that was unbelievably corrupt. He was actually a franchise owner of a tax collecting booth. Imagine signing up for that franchise. Basically, the way that it worked is that Rome wanted to be able to collect their money, and they knew that uh, they needed some highly um, ambitious people that, to collect their money. So they worked out these arrangements with these teleonis, and what, what, it, what it was was you set up your tax collector's booth, you collect a certain percentage for us as the government, and then whatever else you want to collect, you can keep. 
And so you could imagine these tax collectors who had the power of the Roman government, the power of the Roman guard behind them, how corrupt they would have been. I mean, if you can think, I can make endless amounts of money from other people, and no one's going to hold me accountable. You can imagine how corrupt it was. So Matthew was in that group of people. He was a franchise owner of a tax collecting booth. And so here he is collecting lots of money, providing lots of stuff for the people that would have associated with him, maybe some family members that still allowed him to be, come around, maybe not. And so here he is collecting all this money and, and being seen as really the scum of the earth. So you can imagine the reaction of people that saw what happened when Matthew said, I'm closing up shop. I'm shutting it down. There would have probably been a Roman guard that was standing there with him as he was protecting the tax collector. You can just imagine the Roman guard being like, what are you doing, man? I mean, you have all this money. You have this place where you get to make lots and lots of money, lots and lots of cash, and you have influence. Why would you leave this behind? You can imagine the disciples that are following Jesus now, Peter, James, and John. They're not real glad about this situation. I mean, they, they were fishermen, but they certainly were nothing as bad as a tax collector. I can just picture, you know, Peter coming up to Jesus going, what are you doing, man? You're asking him to follow? I mean, we have our little crew. Why would you let that tax collector come? But Jesus calls him. He calls him to come. I mean, what an amazing thing it is that he calls him to come, a man that's far away from God. Immediately, it seems like, seems like it's immediately here. There's no other verses here. There's no other information that we have. It says, while Jesus uh, was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and eat with him and his disciples. I can just imagine uh, Jesus walking with him. He just called Matthew over. He called Matthew to follow him, and, and Matthew is, is following after him, and Jesus comes and puts his arm around him and says, you know what, man? We're going to have dinner at your house tonight. Invite some guests over. We're going to have a little party. And so you can imagine what Matthew does. Matthew's like, well, I'm following Jesus now. This is the first thing he tells me to do. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to figure this all out. And I'm going to invite all of the people I have influence with. And who are those people? That's right. Tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, people that are far away from God. But this is who he knows. This is who he has influence. And so he's following Jesus. And he's saying, come on. Just come to my house. And you can imagine the anticipation that Matthew would have had throwing a party. You ever have this anticipation you're throwing a party at your house and you're not quite sure who's going to come and he's, he's looking down and trying to figure out are people going to come? He's trying to figure out is, is are people going to show up? It wasn't like he could throw out an emergency text saying, hey, you guys, you guys coming? Are you guys coming? We have all these people here. We have, Jesus is here. I want you to come. He couldn't do that. So you have this anticipation and then all the sinners all the other tax collectors show up. What kind of scene do you think this was? You think everyone's just sitting around, sipping tea? No. This is a bunch of sinners. Bunch of sinners, bunch of tax collectors. I'm sure there was wine flying everywhere. And I'm sure it was loud. And I'm sure it was crazy. And here is Matthew inviting his friends. And who else is there? Jesus. Jesus is there. In the middle of it, do you think he was in the corner just casting judgment on all the people that were drinking, all the people being loud? No. Jesus is a part of it. 
He's a part of their conversation. Now, he's not getting drunk. He's not doing things like that. But he's a part of what's going on there. He's meeting people where they're at. Disciples throw big parties because that's where people that don't know Jesus are comfortable in. They're in that environment. And so Jesus steps into that environment and he allows other, other disciples to step into that environment. And it's, it's an amazing scene. It's an amazing scene to see Jesus uh, modeling that for us. And so the verse, the scripture continues on. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're the Pharisees again, right? The killjoys, the self-righteous, the ones that see a party that's going on, and instead of being encouraged that Jesus is encouraging them, instead of, instead of seeing what's going on and asking some questions, no, they ask the only question that they know how to ask, the condemning question, Right? Why is Jesus hanging out with those tax collectors? I thought he was a holy man. I thought he was a person that came to scorn those people. That's what the Pharisees wanted. But Jesus always has an amazing response, right? And Jesus' response is, on hearing this, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, not, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's interesting, that word uh, righteous is actually the word for, for self-righteous. And so you, you, see this, you see this whole scene that's happening here. And, and you're seeing Jesus put the Pharisees in their place to not be legalistic about this. That we're, we're, it's okay as, as Christians, it's okay as followers to, to enjoy life and to meet people where they're at. We don't have to be uptight about things. And, and he tells the, the Pharisees that you're not going to earn favor just by being legalistically good. You hear that? I mean, you see what, you see what the scripture says here? That he's come to call the sick, not the self-righteous. Reminds me of an old pastor's joke. Okay, be prepared for this, guys. You, guys ready? you know pastor jokes are good. Reminds me of the, the pastor's story about a man that dies and he goes before St. Peter and, and uh, St. Peter says, in order to get into heaven, it takes 100 points. So let's see if you have enough points. And so what are some things that you've done in life? And so the man says, well, I've been mar I was married for 55 years, faithful to my wife. And Peter says, okay, good, three points. Three points, man, that's 55 years. I thought I'd get more than that. Well, what else have you done, St. Peter asks. And the man says, well, I, I have served in my church I was a small group leader. This guy Parker kept talking about being a small group leader, so I was a small group leader, and uh, and and I served faithfully in my church, tithed every week. And St. Peter says that that's two points. Two points. Well, what else have you done? Well, I served in a soup kitchen every year during the holidays. Oh, that's good. One point. Man, this is crazy. All these things I've done, I've only got six points. It's going to be only by the grace of God that I get into heaven. And St. Peter says, that's right, grace of God, that's 100 points. Come on in. You see, we, we think that all of these things that we do are earning credit, that we're trying to earn our way to heaven, but I'm so grateful it's not like that. I'm so thankful it's not like that. And, and Jesus makes a point here. He makes a point here to, to quote from Hosea. 
To quote from Hosea to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees would have understood exactly what Jesus is saying. Because what is the story of Hosea about? It's about an adulterous woman. And so here he is in front of prostitutes, in front of tax collectors, in front of sinners, and he's telling the Pharisees that you're, you're just like that. You're just like that. You're, you're not good. I mean, this is the scripture that he quotes from in context with Hosea. And Hosea is the story of, of basically the adulterous nation of Israel that keeps going away from God. And the way that God shares it is, is the story of Hosea and his adulterous uh, wife who goes away, goes with another guy, and Hosea pursues her and brings her back uh, to him. And it's the same thing with God pursuing the nation of Israel, same thing with God pursuing us, is that we stray away from God, that we're spiritually the leper, we're spiritually the paralyzed man, we're spiritually the prostitute. Merry Christmas! We're spiritually the adulteress. We're spiritually the adulterer. We fall away from God all the time. And this is what he's telling the Pharisees and he's telling us in context in Hosea. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he'll restore us that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like winter rains, like spring rains and water on the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I'll cut you to pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgment flashed like lightning upon you, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He's calling the nation of Israel to repent. And Jesus is quoting this to the Pharisees, saying, listen, don't you realize that you're sick? Don't you realize that you don't have it all together? Even though that you're trying to follow all these rules, a lot of them are man-made rules, you're sick. I know some of you right now, as you're reading through these scriptures and thinking through things, you're thinking, yeah, but am I really a spiritual leper? Am I really spiritually paralyzed? Am I really spiritually a prostitute, an adulterer, an adulteress? I mean, really? Am I, am I that bad? Well, you're going to help me out a little bit this morning. I'm going to come down there with you because I'm a sinner just like you. Just because I'm on the stage and have a name, have a pastor in my title doesn't mean I'm holy. It means I need Jesus just like you do. So you guys help me out here this morning. If, on your best day, on your best day, I'm going to talk about really good day. What amount of sins do you think you commit? I mean, things against God with your thoughts, your words, your actions. On your best day, just throw out some numbers. What do you think? Five? I heard five. No one else wanted to say anything. Krista, way to go, Krista. Way to be bold. Everyone's like, I don't want to admit what it is. Okay, we're going to use five because that's what you said. So five sins a day uh, times 365 days a year. The average age here, including the kids at Good News Church, is 30 years old. So on your best day, on average, as a church, 54,750 sins in your life. My wife is sick. <laughs> She's sick. I'm sick. We're all sick. This is for a 30-year-old on their best days, guys. 54,000 things we've done wrong against God. Do you realize how horrible our sin is? And some of you are thinking, I thought we were talking about a party. 
Well, we are talking about a party because the only way that you can celebrate and understand how great your salvation in Christ is when you realize how heinous your sin is. 54,750 times on our best days, we've punched God in the face. We said we're doing it our own way. We said, we say, I, it doesn't matter what your word says. It doesn't matter how you're leading me. This, I'm going to do it my way. And the Pharisees didn't realize that. And if you don't realize that, you need to realize how bad your sin is. Because when you realize how bad your sin is, how awful it is, then the grace that you receive from Jesus when you accept him and he takes away all those sins, he says, give me those 54,750 things. I'm going to take them upon me on the cross and I'm going to die for them. And then I'm going to raise from the dead on the third day so that you can have forgiveness, so that you can have hope, so that you can have righteousness if you believe in me. Do you realize how good that is? Do you realize how awesome it is? This is where you make that party noise again, guys. All right? That's where, you do the, that's where you do that again because all of those sins are erased. And here's Jesus telling them, listen, you're sick. You're sick, but that's okay. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the self-righteous. I didn't come for the people that try to have it all together all the time. Let's not worry about that. I came for the sick. And, and we're all sick. And so our part is, is to believe in him. Our part is to, to, to realize that our sin is so heinous, to repent of that sin and put our faith in Jesus. Revelation 3.20 says, it says, Behold, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I'll come and eat with him and he with me. You see the party theme there too? Is that he wants to come and have fellowship. He wants to come and have a party. He wants to come and eat. And he wants to come and dine. And here we see all those things uh, happening together in the story. So if you've never trusted in Jesus, just know that you're sick. And you, and you need Jesus. You're sick, but all of us are. You're sick, but join the party. The party that Jesus has for you. You can pray right in your seat. You can come and talk to one of the elders after the service. It doesn't matter the words that you say. Just matters that you trust in the Savior that was born, that lived a perfect life, that died on the cross and rose from the dead. And if you have put your faith in him, our action step for this week is really important. It's to invite, bring, welcome. We have these uh, invites, these Christmas invites. They're no good after this week, okay, guys? So grab one of them, take a picture of it, post it on social media, invite your friends and neighbors. This is a time where people are open. Matthew knew that he had an opportunity. He was a guy that was far away from God. He met Jesus. Jesus challenged him to follow, follow him. He follows after him. And he had an opportunity to invite his friends, to invite all the people that are sinners, all the people that are sick to his house. And we have that same opportunity. We have an opportunity to not only invite them to our, our own personal house, but invite them to hear, to hear the word of God. See, Jesus, Jesus loves parties. I mean, you see this theme walking through about Jesus gathering together and dining with people and fellowshipping with people. And what was his first miracle? What was it? Turning water to wine at a wedding. Jesus is not some fuddy-duddy in the corner, right? He, he wants to, us to enjoy life. He enjoyed life, but he always had things focused on his Father and glorifying him. And so he models that for us. He models that, that ability to be able to have fun, to be able to enjoy life. Parker talked about a few things that you can do uh, for Christmas Eve. Can you imagine having a party without these things? Can you imagine saying, I'm going to throw a party at my house, uh, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to invite anyone. 
I'm not going to invite anyone. I'm just, we're going to have a party, yep, but no one's invited. I mean, that would seem crazy, right? I mean, two days we're going to have a happy birthday Jesus party here at Good News Church, and I want to have it packed with people. I want to invite people because when people gather together in Jesus' name, there's something special that happens there. So invite. What if you threw a party and you invited people, but you didn't make room? So you invited a bunch of people over to a party, and, uh, and you, they came to the door, and you said, nah, no room here. You, you can't come in. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense, right? And so when we come, we need to be looking in a couple days for, for ways to make room for people and to, to welcome people in. What about having a, a party and not serving anyone? You'd be an awesome host, right? Everyone comes in, and you don't give any instructions or anything. You don't help lay out any plates. You don't provide food. You don't do anything like that. You just don't serve. I mean, that would be kind of crazy, right? And so we need people to step up and to serve so that people can have a great party here in a couple days. Sign up. Pray. I mean, the party that we want to have we want it to be something that's so focused on Jesus and such a celebration of Jesus that people leave here so impacted. And I'm so grateful for many of you that have signed up on the 48 hours of prayer. We want to have that thing completely filled by the end of the day today. So check that out. Spend a half an hour in the next couple of days praying for the services, praying for people that you're inviting, praying for people that, that you're, you're welcoming. Have you experienced the party? If you're a follower of Jesus, let me remind you that you have. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you once were in your mess of sin. You were once as bad as the paralytic. You were once as, as, as awful as the tax collector. You were once as far away from people and God as the leper was. That's who you once were. But then you trusted in Jesus. And when you trusted in Jesus, you got invited to the party a party of all ages, a party where you get to experience the goodness of God, where you get to experience his righteousness. Matthew understood that, that he was far away from God, but he didn't want to leave the people that were far away from God that were associating with him behind. He wanted to invite them in to experience the, the love and the joy and the peace of following Jesus. And so we have that awesome opportunity. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're called to throw big parties. And that party is inviting people to come to know Jesus. You guys ready for a party? Yeah. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for calling us into your family of God. Thank you for, us allowing, for allowing us to come to you, Lord. We, on our own, are wretched sinners. We're prostitutes. We're far away from God. We're tax collectors. We're lepers. But in you, we're given a new identity. And you were given hope and joy and righteousness and peace and eternal life. Lord, what an amazing trade that is. Lord, thank you for inviting us into the party. Lord, I pray for a couple days, uh, many people being invited in to come and hear your word. I think about all the local churches doing all different types of special services at all different times. Lord, I pray that in this county, we'd have the greatest Christmas Eve ever. We'd, we'd see people come to know you. We'd see people reconnected to, to, to community. we see people encouraged. we see the body of Christ go out in ways that they've never gone before. Lord, we know that you can empower us. We know that you do great things. Lord, you called a tax collector to come and follow you. No one could have been further away from you than him. But you called him in. So no one is beyond your reach. 
Lord, thank you for the hope of that is. And Lord, I pray that you give us boldness to invite, welcome, and bring. In Jesus' name, amen.